Hi, this is Neil Anderson with Ungagged Interviews. I'm speaking today to John Hurt, who is a regular Ungagged contributor, but I'm speaking specifically to him today about the Newcastle United campaign about their new owners, or the relative new owners, mainly from Saudi Arabia. Thanks for inviting me to speak. It's a pleasure. Well, a pleasure to have you here. So just for uh, anybody, could I ask you for a, a general introduction to this campaign about um, Saudi Arabia or Saudi Arabian companies uh, owning uh, Newcastle United Football Club? Well, this uh, this all started about, uh, well, over a year ago, actually. Um, Newcastle... Um, you know the, the perennial sleeping giants of uh, of English uh, football. Last time we won anything was 1969, but we still managed to get like 52,000 people at the ground every every yeah. match. Excellent. And uh, they were the club was run by um, the businessman, <laughs> the dodgy owner, the 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 uh, the big dodgy owner, um, Mike Ashley, uh, who owns uh, Sports Direct. Okay, so. Uh, Few of us, you know, a lot, a lot of Newcastle fans were very unhappy with um with uh, Mike Ashley owning the club, and uh, there was like campaigns during his time in charge against his running of the club, but also against these terrible um zero hour contracts. You know, there was a campaign called uh, Sports Direct uh, uh, Shame. Then um you know fans wanted rid of him. You know what? Uh, and finally, there was the offers coming in from uh, from Saudi Arabia. Now. Um, at first, that was blocked because, well, basically the Premier League uh, had a disagreement with them over the television rights. They were uh, basically pirating the rights. Yeah. And a few of us, few fans, uh, were alerted to it and we said, you know, okay, it's bad enough having Mike Ashley, uh, but we'd ought to go from the, you know, from the frying pan into the fire, from a dodgy businessman to having a bloody theocratic dictatorship run the club. Well, you you know, people listening probably remember is in uh, October the 7th, uh, 2021, uh, after a petition actually uh, organised by some Newcastle fans to say, like, let's solve the problem. You know, let's get rid of, uh, um, let, let's get new owner, owners in. Well, I think it actually went to Parliament, the the, the petition, because the Premier League were blocking the deal. Anyway, October the 7th, 2021, um, Mike Ashley sold the club to a consortium uh, made up of um, well, Amanda Stavely and the Rubin brothers, who got 10% each, and 80% of the PIF. And the PIF is the, the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, which, in other words, means the Saudi state owns Newcastle United. There were some, unfortunately, uh, embarrassing and disgraceful scenes when some fans, not, you know, not a majority, but a minority of fans, turned up, uh, at St James's Park, our ground, dressed uh, in Arab gear and sort of uh, praising it. Few matches after they took over, there were some Saudi flags, uh, and that was soon um, condemned. 
But yeah, I think a lot of other fans of a lot of other clubs and people in Newcastle were sort of shocked by it, by, by that reaction. But actually, we decided, well, there's a few of them independently. I, I started, I wrote an article. It just started from like an article about, uh, I remember the, the title was like, All the Perfumes and Scents of Arabia Will Not Sweeten This Rotten Deal, you know? And um, there was a guy um, um, independently set up a Twitter account called No Saudi Toon. I set up a Facebook group and we started getting people getting in touch. And um, that was it. That was the start of the campaign a year ago. Uh, and uh, we've come a long way since then. A long way. <laughs> yeah. So um, what I have looked into about it, uh, so you said PIF, which is Public Investment Fund. So it's the, and, the, yeah, the sovereign wealth fund of the, of the dictatorship, of the royal family. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's down as a separate entity, but it's actually the Saudi government. So one, what, so one of the things is that um, there's a um, the Premier League has a test. It's the uh, owners and directors test, and there's a lot of discussion about that. But it's not, you know, <laughs> if they've allowed, uh, you know, Mohammed bin Salman to take over a club, it's, it's not worth the paper it's written on. But basically, they've uh, it's supposed to say who's a, you know who, who's fit to be owner of a football club. Well, when when uh, the Saudis took over. Then Roman Abramovich was fit, you know. He, he uh, according to them, he'd be you know, <laughs> guy who'd asset stripped the the Soviet people at the time, you know, who stole yeah. all the oil money and basically laundered his money through uh, through Chelsea. He was fit, but when the war, uh, well, the attack on Ukraine uh, started, he was considered unfit, you know, and he was forced to sell the sell the club. So one of the things we said, you know, the group uh, Newcastle as well, well, if Roman Roman Abramovich is unfit. Uh, why isn't the Saudi dictatorship unfit to 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 run a club? You know, you're talking about a regime which is you know waging a war in Yemen. You know, uh, the British government sells uh, arms and torture, um, you know, torture material to to the to this country. They're jailing women uh, for for tweeting for 45, 34 years. Mm -hmm. uh, they put eight young people on on death row. Uh, you know that these are the sort of crime, but not the crimes that they've committed. And what you know, one of the things that really you know motivated us to uh, to to be hard and get really into this campaign was last season uh, when Newcastle played Chelsea uh, in London. The day before the match, uh, Mohammed bin Salman ordered the execution of eighty one men. Eighty one. Just, just to say we can do it, you know. You know, we think it's just to say, look, you know, you know, you're not going to influence us. We can do what we want. So a mass execution, okay. That so that's you know the argument of a lot of um, well, we'll get into this uh, later. But the argument of the Premier League was basically they said that um, you know the pay, we have had binding assurances <laughs> that the uh, PIF, the Sovereign Wealth Fund. Uh, would not uh, is not the Saudi state, and that they won't they wouldn't interfere in the running of a club. Well, what's what's the what's the um, the reality? The sovereign wealth fund was set up by royal decree by Saudi royal decree in you know uh, uh, decades ago, I think in the seven in the seventies. It's controlled by the royal family, and you know the head dictator Mohammed bin Salman is the you know he's the chair of the PIF. He's the chair. His man, he, uh, the guy he appointed. 
to be the the chair of Newcastle is you know he, he works for Bin uh, Bin uh, Bin Salman. Uh, they've got two Saudis on on the on the board now, but you know it's controlled by the Saudi state. And everything that's happened since then, for example, they've uh, the third strip of Newcastle now is uh, exactly the same as the national Saudi uh, strip. They they visited uh, they visited Jeddah. Um, in the winter winter break uh, in January uh, uh, this year, played match against the Saudi uh, team. And now they've got coming up uh, the Saudi uh, White Falcons. It's a youth team are going to play a team in New uh, youth team in Newcastle at the academy. Now uh, they've just announced that they're going Newcastle are going to in the the World Cup start at the minute, and they're going to visit uh, Riyadh and play against the team. And the new sort of like, well, it's not the the main sponsor. We don't know what the main who the main sponsor is going to be at the moment. But a winter sponsor or a travel sponsor is going to be Saudi Air. Um, Air. It's it's the it's the national uh, air, air carrier. So this idea that it's separate from the Saudi state is just a nonsense. You know, the only people who believe it were the Premier League uh, suits. Uh, the accountants and people who are likely to make money from it, you know, but everybody in football knows that uh, it's a Saudi state. And this is the thing that, uh, you know, we're trying to explain to our fellow fans, um, you know, or point it out to them. You know, they, they think it's normal. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, look at Manchester City. Look, there's only two uh, teams in the Premier League uh, which are owned by states. That's Man City and, uh, and, Newca and Newcastle United. The other one is in the French uh, league, um, Palace Saint Germain, which is owned by Qatar, and you know and they're the same ones who organised the um, you know organising or disorganising the World Cup at the at the at the moment, you know. So uh, basically, what's happening is, is that there's a bit of a, a sports or football arms race in the Middle East. You know, Saudi Arabia couldn't allow Qatar. And they couldn't allow Abu Dhabi to like get the jump on them, so they needed a, a Premiership uh, Premiership club as well, and they bought uh, Newcastle United. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, um, yeah, that that that, that, that um, sort of covers several questions I have written down okay. <laughs> already. Okay, but um, and definitely one of them in that you know why would uh, the Saudi state want to own a football club, but. You know, you're basically you've explained that already, and about all the publicity of the club playing in in different places. Yeah, I think you know, um, in the campaign we've had to face like um, um, you know legitimate discussions with with fellow fans, and one of the things that comes up is says, well, what is sport washing? Does it really exist? You know, it's a term that's become like uh, common parlance, you know, everybody uses it. But what does it actually mean? I think in, in the sort of Middle Eastern sense, it's you've got like a, a power struggle, you know, you've got regional rivalries and all that. And it's not just football, is it? There's an, an arms race. You know, Saudi Arabia likes to be or believe itself as the leading uh, country, the power, they're, they're waging this terrible war in uh, in Yemen, you know, where there's thousands, thousands of, uh, of children have been killed. And they're basically that you know they 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 these are dictatorships they're dictatorships you know and um, a way to sort of like divert attention away from what they're doing is to have the the glory of like owning uh, a, a foot, football club I think it's basic level if Newcastle managed to win some cups like Man City have that people sort of like forget it oh they're great you know they've been able to do this into that and I think it does uh, it's 
it does exist. It's sports washing, but it's also like the pre- the prestige as well. You know, to be you know for for rich, you know these oligarchs and uh, multimillionaires, and now states and dictatorships to be at the table. You know, like uh, recognized as like players and and this and the the counter argument. Some fans. This is the this is a, an interesting point we've had to confront. But some fans, when we we announced uh, that we were doing a um, a protest outside of St James's Park, the Newcastle's ground. Um, on uh, uh, the, the Chelsea matches, a sort of like a homage to the, those eighty-one guys who were uh, who were executed. We were approached by some Saudi um, uh, activists, and you know, obviously security reason can't say the names and all that. But they told us that uh, about the case of like uh, eight young lads. Now, this is the kind of the, you know you saw if you watched the video on YouTube, you saw this is a discussion that we had with some fans, said, why are you here? Said, well, we were asked by some Saudi activists and they said, this is what happens to them. These young guys mostly were arrested for um, for protesting, okay? You know, legitimate protest, which is not allowed in Saudi Arabia. Oh. The, 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 the Saudis uh, used to execute people under 18. Now there's, there's a, there's a um, you know, the, there's an international law which says you shouldn't, you can't execute uh, minors. So what they do is they play a cat and mouse with them. They they arrest them, wow. um, then they release them. They harass the families. Now these eight young guys were, at, you know, most of them were tortured into making confessions in inverted commas, etc. Okay, and these young guys now well, they put them on when they've turned 18, 19, or twenty. They put them on um, put them on death row. You know they're going to execute them. And the Saudi activist said to us, he said the only thing that MBS Mohammed bin Salman understands. Is bad publicity. And he said, This is his jo- the jewel in his crown, Newcastle. And if you can do something, and he said, We were like a bit not reticent, but we said, Is it okay to say these guys' names? You know, is it all right for us to say? And he said, Yeah, it says, Unfortunately, it's a it's a it's a dictatorship. And when they can, they'll execute these young guys. And he said, If we can do anything to save their lives, you can do it if you can influence it. We we sort of were talking to some Newcastle fans outside the ground and they were saying, Why are you here? Why don't you go to the uh why don't you go to the uh, Saudi embassy? And I said, yeah, there's a lot of people doing that. He said, but this club is owned by the people who are actually carrying out these uh, crimes against humanity. Yep. You know, and so why can't we come here? And there was a bit of a um, there was a bit of a sort of like a debate. We were actually threatened, um, you know, by not not by in the main by Newcastle fans. Yeah, some people tired and emotional say things late at night on Twitter, but there was actually. Um, we were informed by journalists who actually said to her that they've got centre in Riyadh, not just for us, eh, but for anyone who's a, who's a um, critic of the Saudi regime. And they, they actually have 400 people working there and they're answering everything. So that's why you get weird stuff, you know, in your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed. People like saying stuff like, you know, personal stuff and trying. And they're always like, you know, in football terms, they're always attacking the man, not attacking the, you know, not play, playing the ball, you know, because they, they say, who are these people? They had a ludicrous situation. There was actually a campaign where they said that, oh, they're all Sunderland fans. Now, I know you're, this is in Scotland. Perhaps you would understand if Celtic fans were d- demonstrating about something and they said, oh, they're not Celtic fans, they're Rangers fans. Imagine what a, <laughs> how you'd feel. But, you know, um, there's, you know, what a ludicrous situation that we went to all this trouble to get a campaign going, a, a great sort of uh, cost to ourselves being outside the ground. And we're, we're actually Sunderland fans. It's ridiculous, you know. But this is the lengths that they go to to try and obscure the. Um, the, the the argument, you know? Oh, oh yeah, indeed. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Newcastle, Sunderland, and, and hopefully is a bit more friendly than um, Glasgow, um, Celtic, and and Rangers can get at some points. Well, the thing is, it that that's getting mixed up in it as well because a lot of people I think who should know better, Newcastle fans, who are uh, basically, I, I say they're not happy with the Saudis, but they're not prepared to do anything about it. But they're using that argument as well. They're saying, well, you know, Sunderland fans are complaining about. It. Well, it, it's as if like we said when we're doing interview, this interview, it's as if do they like, only Sunderland fans care about human rights? No, no, no. There's Newcastle fans who we care about human rights. Uh, as well, but they had they had this basically campaign to say ninety seven percent of fans are in favour of it, and so us being there putting down the marker has had a massive effect. You know, yeah. didn't have hundreds of people, but whew, in the run up and afterwards, it's been tremendous. We've got loads and loads of Newcastle fans coming forward, and I think it's a lesson for people on the left to yeah. say, well, you know, we can't do anything pessimistic; not, things aren't going to change. If you make a stand, even if you're a few people. And you know that you're that you're right. It's the right thing to do, you know. Then people come uh, getting involved. And now we've got a lot of Newcastle uh, fans coming forward and say, "Great, I'm glad that you done it. We couldn't, we weren't at the de- uh, the protest, but now we're going to get involved. So this is going to keep going, you know. And we've said that we're not going to go away. We're going to keep campaigning, you know. Good, because um, that's one of the things I also had down was <clears throat> with that. Um, YouTube video of uh, uh, what was it? Newcastle Life. Tyneside Life, I think it's called. Tyneside yeah. Tyneside Life. Yeah. Um, the the guy that was interviewing was saying, "Well, things take decades to change." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, that is that is their beliefs. That's their laws at the moment. Yeah. And yeah. my first thought on that was, "Well, yeah, okay, I agree with you." Culturally, that does take decades or longer to change, but it's got to start somewhere. And I thought what you and others were doing is a start to yeah. get people to think about that, to think about that change. It's not going to change it like that, unfortunately. Well, but but I, I need to, to say something about that because it's like a, a narrative that's been put forward. Okay, and I'll, I'll sort of explain um, the, the background to, to why it was so important, this uh, this demo, uh, this protest that we had. Because the narrative from, well, the Saudis have paid a fortune, I think they've paid an American PR firm about a million uh, dollars, you know, to get advice. And basically what they've done is they're, they're, they're embracing the fans. They're trying to get fans on board, okay? And they've not made the mistake of having been uh, Ben Salman come to the ground because they know that would provoke a lot, a lot of people. But basically, what you know, one of our guys in the campaign sort of analysed it. He says, what you've got is basically their main objective when they came in was to neutralise opposition, okay? So, and if they could get some people on board, great. But they've managed to get a, a, a layer of fans, unfortunately, unfortunately, to echo their propaganda. So, for example, when we were talking about those young lads on, on death row, you get people uh, answering, say, the terrorists. When 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 uh, when we talked about, well, I'm going to say the names, because the, the Saudi activist told us, he says, the main thing is to get the names of these people, and I'm sure you'll let us uh, use, use the names of these uh, people, but this basically they said was, um, when we mentioned... Um, Salma Al-Shabaab, okay, she was a student, well, she is a student uh, in, in Leeds, a Saudi woman, a, a young mother. She retweeted a very, very light criticism of the regime. She went to visit her family, 
and she was arrested. 34 years in prison. And on top of that, 34 years travel ban. Okay, that's one. Next one, Nora al Katani. Okay, a mother of five with a with one kid who's, uh, yeah, I think, has uh, got some health problems. She did something similar, you know, something, you know, like a, a mild prison, nothing serious, you know, which wouldn't be serious in, you know, in, in Europe, but serious in the area. 45 years in, in prison, 45 years, and a 45 year um, um, tra travel ban on top of that. Now, when we raised that with some uh, Newcastle fans, they said they're terrorists, and I said, "What are you talking about? These are these are these are mothers who are who are actually just you know just defending hu human rights." So this is why we say it's very important for us to counter that because we're not going to let you know a dictatorship come into Newcastle and start to get support you know for for their ideas. But I would say in general, the vast majority of Newcastle fans. This is the next sort of uh, layer. The fans, uh, obviously, they would support what we're saying. You know, they're against the human rights. But the argument is, what's, you know, how would you sort of say? It's basically worshipping the accomplished facts. Say, okay, this is the way football is. It's been taken over by big business. What can we do? And there's an idea came out, you know, support the team, not the regime. Okay? But in, in reality, that's like a recipe to do nothing. For example, when we when we went outside the ground and protested, we said there's a there's a very famous um, flag display in Newcastle called War Flags. It's very good. They have you know it's, a, it's like a European type uh, sort of display of flags. Flags. And we we said to them, okay, um, if you want, if you if you're concerned about human rights and what the, what the owners of the uh, of the club are doing, let's have a display about these eight young guys and Salma and uh, and Nora. And they said, no, no, it's that's political. No, you're making everything political. <laughs> well, excuse me. The, the politics came in when when a dictatorship bought the club, not us. We're reacting reacting to that. The other, the other side of it as well. I, this is I think this is an important point about you know how campaigns develop and the potential for 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 doing something about this. Um, is that Alan Shearer? You remember Alan Shearer and other and he's you know. <laughs> And some politicians in the Northeast, which are mostly Labour, actually, mostly Labour politicians, they said, if we engage with the Saudi regime, well, perhaps they'll change. Okay? So the idea is engagement. Well, you're laughing. But when we spoke to Saudi activists about that, they said, do they not realise who we're dealing with yet? We're dealing with a dictatorship. You can't, you know, and that, like, the guy in the video that you saw, we said, well, I'll take 100 years. I said, look, 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 why do you think the regime are killing in the last year they've killed uh, over 100 uh, people why did they have the mass execution and they say oh well you know it's shar sharia law no no it's not because of islam not because of religion they just use that as an excuse it, they're political executions they're executing the opposition and the main they're attacking young people and women so the answer you know to, to the to the fans who say oh i'll take hundreds of years um what about across the Gulf from Saudi Arabia? What about uh, Iran? You've just seen today in the 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 match, England. I didn't watch it, obviously. I'm boycotting uh, the the World Cup, but I heard in the press that the in the match today, England against um, Iran, the Iranian players refused to uh, sing the national anthem, and they've they've made it, it's it's come out clearly that they're supporting the movement of women. You got like a, a revolutionary movement. Of women. 
yeah, in, 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 uh, in Iran. So the answer to that question, oh, it'll take hundreds of years, you've got to respect Sharia law. Look, things are moving in the Middle East, you know? And I think a lot of Newcastle fans, unfortunately, they think, oh, this is going to be forever. We're going to be like Man City. We're going to have loads and loads of money. That could change. That could change very, very quickly. If the women in Iran are successful and you're backed up by the, you know, the young people, men who support them, and you get change in, in Iran, Iran, you think it's going to stop in Iran? No way. No way. The whole of the Middle East will be affected thereby. So, uh, you know, to the pessimists, <laughs> well, unfortunately, Labour politicians, some, some of the Labour politicians in the Northeast, we know, are season ticket holders. And they've actually spoke out against the Saudis in the past, one of them in Parliament, not quite correctly, a few years ago. But since the takeover, nothing, nothing. And we don't really understand that. So it's been left to the ordinary fans like our in our campaign to take up the, these, uh, the, uh, these questions. But really, the people who should know better, who should be doing something, they're doing nothing. But, you know, we've stepped in, the, the fans have stepped in, and we started campaigning, you know. Excellent. No, um, from what I've seen, they're doing a fantastic job, and it is it, it just you know it, campaigns can be small, but that's where campaigns start. They start small and then they grow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the cognizance of it and 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 what the what they're doing and what things stand for, and sometimes, you know, people don't know about. I mean, obviously, both of us are very politically aware because of where we are, but most people aren't. And it can take just a, a wee campaign to get folk to think, oh, right, oh, well, oh, that's not as good. Whereas it never crossed their mind before. Not that they agree with it, not that they would want it to continue, but it, it doesn't just yeah. come into their radar. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you know this this idea. There's nothing you can do. It's like, it's like what you know I said before. Oh, this is the way yeah. football is. Well, you know, there's there's during the campaigns. Interesting at the beginning, where one of the first things we did was during the pandemic, and we had an online meeting. We had like twenty odd people, you know, and we had a guy from um, uh, from the anti arms trade uh, campaign, Andrew Feinstein. Might have heard of him. And he spoke really well, linking up the issues, you know, with the, with the, the arms sales to to to, uh, to Saudi Arabia and the you know the you know the involvement of the British government. And then we had a meeting in in August uh, in Newcastle on the same issue. We had like, a couple of films about uh, about the situation in in Yemen. It's in a few few fans who are against well people who are against the campaign say, well, why don't you talk about this? Why? He said, well, we have you know we have talked about this. He says, but why don't you do, why don't you go, you know, um and 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 protest in, in 10 down seats? No, no, we're Newcastle fans. We're, 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 we are protesting about the people who, who own who own our who, who own our club. But the thing about it take it taken off, it all it all really started getting bigger and bigger around the anniversary. And in the anniversary, the anniversary is uh, October the 7th uh, this year. We did it, we got the first uh, interviews. Uh, this is another, you know, another interesting. Well, something that we have to contend with. The the northeast media is it's the the main paper. I don't know it's in Glasgow how many newspapers you have, but it's it's the the Evening Chronicle, and they sort of control everything. And to be honest, the Chronicle has been like uh, almost as if, almost like the PR 
um, was was written in, in Riyadh, and they've like just repeated it. And it's like you know, it's just like a giant megaphone. Always talking about the great new signs. We're doing great on the on the pitch and all that. I think I remember one article that they had where interview. Well, they had a podcast with a uh, an academic, and what his conclusion was: you can't separate the PIF from the Saudi state. And that uh, you know, when, when fans say, "Oh, but it's separate," it's been accepted. No, no, even the Chronicle. But anyway, they did the first, we did the first interview. And said, there's a couple of women, and they said, look, there's Newcastle fans who are against that. It started to snowball. We got on the local radio. Uh, we just determined, it's a lot, you know, we want to talk about this. And um, it got to a stage where there was, on, on social media, there were actually, you know, physical threats. And said, if you turn up, we're going to beat you up. You know, we're going to make sure that you don't come back again. We're going to rip up your banners. We're going to do that. So, so obviously that had an effect on, uh, you know, just ordinary fans, young people, you know, who, who want to be involved in that. Some people were scared away. What happened on the day, we'd agreed a place. We, we agreed a place with the police. The liaison police turned up. We were, we were just near, if you know St. James, but we were near Alan Shearer's statue and uh, Bobby Robson's statue. And they said, okay, and we'll unfurl the banner. Okay, and then the, then the, then the sort of like higher up police came and said, no, no, you have to move. And they moved. So what they did is they tried to split the, the devil. Anyway, we went to another place. And what was interesting was, because we said, we said, look, no one's going to uh, you know, have a go. The vast majority of fans respect our right to be. And that's what, you know, that's what we found. As it got near the kickoff time, there was a few uh, tired and emotional, you know, fans coming out the strawberry and, and other bars who were, you know, shouting at were, but not, nothing, not a big problem. It, what it showed was that, you know, people might not agree with her, other fans might not agree with what we're doing at the moment, but they respect our right to do it. And it's like, a, you know, it's an ongoing um, campaign where, you know, we're, we're going to convince people that really there isn't a future for our club being owned by uh, by a dictatorship. And the other thing that comes up is, well, what's your alternative? Okay. Well, the alternative is, <laughs> one guy came up and he goes, well, you know, um, what about Manchester City? He says, two dictatorships, two dictatorships in the Premier. He says, so what, what's acceptable? What's unacceptable? Where's your red line? So I said, would it be okay if um, if North Korea, North Korea bought Newcastle? No, no, certainly not North Korea. What about China? Oh, no. China... The, uh, the the Newcastle City Council just two weeks ago broke relations with China, and one of the reasons that they did it was they said they had a twin town, and they said because of the mistreatment of people and torture and you know uh, uh, imprisonment without trial. So so what's the difference? What's the difference? You know if you if you if if, um, if China are not acceptable to own a football club, why are the Saudis acceptable? So we went through Iran. You know, would would they be acceptable? So when you when you when you have the arguments in the debate with people, they go, no, 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 not Iran, not China, not North Korea. So why Saudi Arabia? Why? The the, the arguments are very 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 wafer wafer thin. Oh, they are. The, the, the next thing, sorry, the next thing that comes up as well is that it's about. And this is why I want to, you know, talking to, you know, um, you know, people in Scotland and around Europe. One of the things that we noticed was straight away we started to get uh, people from Sweden, uh, the Netherlands, Germany, um, well, Spain as well, you know, with the uh, different clubs getting in touch and saying we support your campaign. And you see a lot, what a, you know, sometimes you can live in a bubble with your own club, and I think that's that's very true with Newcastle. You know, loyal support, massive support. But you've got to see it beyond uh, Newcastle because that's the question. What's the future for football? I think this World Cup has shown that 
the, the red line is is this, you know, allowing dictatorships to run uh, the the World Cup. Look at look at FIFA, you know. Look, look at the look at the um, the president of FIFA, you know, stamping down on players who want to show solidarity with LG, LGBT plus people. Uh, you know, not saying anything about women. Not FIFA have not even uh, um, supporting the initiative to give compensation to the uh, 6,000, probably 15,000 workers who died in the co construction. All the football so uh, associations, most of them, well, in Europe, have supported that move and, and FIFA is, uh, are, are against it. It's it's a terrible situation. I think they're got, it's actually they're going to regret uh, having this World Cup in um, in in, uh, in 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 Qatar, but it's also linked to, to Newcastle because what kind of future we're we talking about for football? You know, it, there's a lot of things in life, but lot, you know, working class people, you know, myself, I love football. But the thing is, what kind of future is it? Are we going to have like you know uh, the the Premier League between sort of like uh, you know our dictators a bit better than yours, or our dictatorship's got more money than yours? That, that's not why football was uh, started. That's not the roots of football. And I'm not saying we have to go back uh, to the past, but we're, that, that's the last thing that we you know that we always say to people. If you look at our you know Twitter feed, you look at the the website. We talk about reclaiming the game, reclaiming it for wow. the people uh, you know who started. That's for you know work, working class uh, people. But reclaim the game means looking at alternative forms of ownership. It's 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 it's. Um, we're in a terrible situation where you've got states and dictatorships playing out their world politics in 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 our in our in our game, and you know we've got we've got to put a stop to it. You know, definitely. Right. Well, that um, I can throw away anything else I've written down to ask because you've absolutely covered anything I have. Okay. Okay. Plus, been um, uh, it's been absolutely great. Um, uh, speaking to you, and... can, I, can I can I say one, one more thing? Can I say oh, one I more thing? No, yeah, no, yeah. What I, what I want to say is like um, a message to you know Scottish football fans, you know, because I know uh, you know I'm, I'm actually one of my one of my daughters stays in Glasgow. As you know, stays in Glasgow. She 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 works there, lives in, and works there. And um, one of the things you know, I, I know a little bit about uh, Scottish football, and I know you know some fans groups take up social issues a lot, you know, and you see the banners in the in the grounds and all that, and it's great. But, I, you know, just to put out an appeal um, to Scottish uh, football fans, if you want to help and, you know, get involved with our campaign, we're, we're thinking of, like, launching, like, a, a, you know, an international aspect of it. For example, Newcastle are going to be playing Rayo Vallecano, which is, is uh, in, in La Liga, Team in Spain, and they, they, their fan base are, are um, anti-racist, anti-fascist. The Bucaneros, the Bucaneros, Los Bucaneros, which we're, we're going to propose to them that they do some sort of protest, you know, uh, against the the game in when, when they play Newcastle on the on the seventeenth. So you know, if we can get some sort of international aspect to it, like uh, you know, Scottish uh, fans getting involved with that as well. But basically, the message would be to say to Newcastle fans, come on, you know, is this the future? Is this what we're not? No, we we are Newcastle fans. We're not attacking Newcastle fans. We're saying is. This is not the future for, for our club. And I think, you know, uh, Scottish football fans, whatever club, they would agree with uh, that. And I think, you know, in the context of the World Cup as well, it's time for football fans to unite. You know, we've got our rivalries, and you know all about rivalries in Scotland, but we've got them. 
But I think as working class football fans, there's a bigger uh, question of like, what's the future of the of the game? And you know, if any uh, Scottish fans, football fans, or you know, any anybody wants to know more about our campaign, you know, just follow us on social media, get in touch, and you know, it'd be great, uh, uh, great to do like a, a united campaign. No, excellent, John. Thank you very much. So. Fantastic. Absolutely great to talk to you. Um, thanks very much. Okay.